G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. On a Wednesday, we do like to check in on those breaking news headlines as they're coming out of Israel and the Middle East. Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines once again this week and back with us. Hey, Ron, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Ron, let's start with a significant headline. It says, Putin demands Russia gain control of Jerusalem church. What is this one about? Yeah, Russian President Vladimir Putin demanded Israel grant his country control of the Alexander Courtyard in Jerusalem, as the previous Israeli government had promised in a letter he delivered to Prime Minister Naftali Bennett a few days ago. Putin's letter came barely a day after the foreign ministry in Moscow slammed foreign minister Yehud Lapid for accusing Russia of war crimes in the Ukraine, saying that Israel is using Ukraine to cover up for its own conflict with the Palestinians. The Russian foreign ministry also summoned Israeli ambassador Alexander Benzdi for a reprimand. Transferring the ownership of the church land could cause diplomatic trouble for Israel at a time when its Western allies have been sanctioning Russia over its invasion of the Ukraine. The Alexander Courtyard, also known as the Alexander Nevsky Church, and the Cathedral of the Holy Trinity is in the Christian quarter of Jerusalem's old city. Russia seems to have tentacles everywhere. Is that a, something that's typical for Middle East? I mean, we know that there was a big involvement in Syria uh, of recent years, and uh, this sort of involvement in Israel affairs, is that something normal, Ron? No, uh, they've accused uh, Israel of playing the game of being on, on the side of both sides in the Ukraine uh, but this is a promise that Netanyahu had made uh, to the Russians uh, in the previous government when he was trying to secure the release of Naomi Issachar, an Israeli woman who was held in a Russian jail on drug charges. So uh, there is a, a foundation for the uh, request or the demand, if you like, uh, but it seems like Putin is having a go at everybody. He's having a go at everyone. Uh, let's continue with some other headlines. Uh, of course, there's been political instability in Israel too. The Ram political party threatens the stability of the Israeli government coalition. What's this one? Yeah, Ram is the name for the United Arab List Party, and it throws its participation in the coalition and the Knesset in general on Sunday night to protest police violence against Palestinians in Jerusalem. The move has no immediate practical implications, given that the Knesset is on break until May, but it is one more symbolic blow to Prime Minister Bennett's coalition, which earlier this month lost its slim parliamentary majority, falling from 61 to 60 seats. The four-member Ram Party, headed by Mansour Abbas, took this step based on a decision by the party's religious advisory body. Ram, which wants to remain in the coalition, has been under pressure to take action in light of the violence on the Temple Mount, 
known to Muslims as Al-Harim Al-Sharif. It's called on the joint list, which is in the opposition, to similarly freeze its participation in the political process until the violence has ceased. Ron, we've just been celebrating Easter on the weekend, the crucifixion on Good Friday, the resurrection on Easter Sunday, and of course there's a a way that uh, all of this uh, coincides with the celebrations of Passover. The Ukrainian refugees have celebrated their personal exodus during Passover. How does this headline look? Yes, Seder events were held at the Jewish Agency's aid centres in the countries bordering Ukraine. Seder events were held for hundreds of Jews who were rescued from the inferno and will immigrate to Israel in the coming days. I might just mention there that Seder just means order of service. The Jewish Agency's main Passover Seder took place at the Jewish Emergency Center in Warsaw, Poland, with the participation of hundreds of Jews rescued from the war zones, led by the agency's deputy director who came especially from Israel with his family to celebrate with them. Among the participants in the many Seder night events were Jews that came from the battle zones of Maripol and Bukha. The Jews who have been staying at the aid centres, mainly hotels in the countries bordering Ukraine, are expected to immigrate to Israel as early as next week. Turning our attention to the United Arab Emirates and their first fully equipped Jewish neighbourhood, described by a rabbi as wonderful. Yeah, the United Arab Emirates senior rabbi has revealed plans to develop the Gulf Cooperation Council's first dedicated Jewish neighbourhood, containing faculties and institutions for the thousands of Jews who have made the Emirates their home. Dr. Eli Abadi, the senior rabbi of the Jewish Council of the Emirates in the UAE, currently leads the Association of Gulf Jewish Communities. Abadi said there are some 2,000 Jewish residents in the UAE with about 500 active Jewish people practicing their religion. This number has doubled since the historic Abraham Accords, which normalized relations between the UAE, Bahrain and Israel, signed in 2020. The UAE alone has welcomed more than 200,000 Jewish tourists since the peace deal, with many exploring the idea of moving to the Emirates and establishing businesses. He said we'll be seeing more houses of worship, schools, from nurseries to higher education, a dedicated place for the mikveh, a ritual bath designed for the Jewish rite of purification, more kosher food establishments, a community centre, and he said what we need is a Jewish neighbourhood. And I've been speaking with a few real estate developers about that. Okay. Hey, a little bit of archaeology to look at today, Ron. Researchers have announced the Church of the Holy Sepulchre's ancient altar has been rediscovered. Give us the insight here. Yeah, pressed against the wall in the back corridor of Jerusalem's Church of the Holy Sepulchre, a stone slab bore testimony only to the graffiti etched on it by multitudes of pilgrims through the ages. But the 2.5 by 1.5 metre stone turned out to be far more precious when it's on the other side was exposed during recent renovations at the church. You cannot see it now, but originally it was inlaid with pieces of precious marble, pieces of glass, pieces of small, finely made marble, Sedamat Rim, Jerusalem regional archaeologist for the Israel Antiquities Authority. 
It was shining, and this was a really amazing artifact, he said. All the eyes of the believers of the pilgrims went to this object, and right above it and around it, all the high priests, the priests and the monks of the church did all the liturgy, the main liturgy of the church on the table right here, on this table, on this altar. And uh, interesting to carry on something of the Easter and Passover theme here, Ron. Yale Eckstein, the president and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, has published an article on the significance of Passover and Good Friday falling on the same day. What's the story here? Yes, she wrote, Jews and Christians ought to be considered natural friends. Yet for centuries of Jewish and Christian history, it would have been totally unimaginable that such friendship would be as common as it is today. She said, my late father, Rabbi Yekiel Eckstein, was disinvited from his own synagogue when he began to extend an olive branch to Christians 40 years ago after he left the Anti-Defamation League to form the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Many Jews didn't trust Christians for a reason. Christians were often oblivious to the fact that Jews around the world heard anti-Semitic undertones in the way Christians referred to the Pharisees and Sadducees and other Jewish leaders of Jesus' time. Many Jews thought Christians had forgotten that Jesus was himself a Jew and that their Old Testament is actually the Hebrew Bible. Fortunately, those days are increasingly behind us. On Good Friday, Jews and Christians around the world had their collective eyes set on heaven as Jews began Passover at sundown and the majority of the world's Christians celebrated their Good Friday faith. After all, Jesus' last supper was actually a Passover Seder, the meal meant to reenact the harrowing moment in Jewish history when Moses led the Jewish people from bondage in Egypt to a new life in the Promised Land. Christians tell their own stories of God's redemption. On Good Friday, while Christians celebrate the preamble to Easter, Jews celebrated the preamble to the Promised Land. We move from remembering bondage to celebrating freedom, from slavery to liberation, from hopelessness to hope, from tears of sorrow to tears of celebration. While our religions are different and our views of Jesus divergent, we come together at this time as fellow children of God in admiration for all of these gifts given to each and every one of us. You can get that sort of information by registering with the Jerusalem Post for the Christian Newsletter. Fabulous. Hey, Ron, always appreciate you scouring the headlines and bringing us those up-to-date details of stories that are breaking in Israel and more broadly throughout the Middle East. Thanks so much for delivering those once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.